Welcome back to the Innovation Network, a podcast from the ABA Center for Innovation. As the legal industry evolves and changes, the Innovation Network will be here, bringing you interviews with the change agents on the front lines. We'll talk about new service delivery models, court-based innovations, and other developments that positively impact how the public and the profession access legal services and information. I'm Joey Gartner, Director of the Center for Innovation, and joining me today is the Executive Director of the Lanyap Law Lab, Amanda Brown. Lanyap Law Lab's purpose is to narrow the access to justice gap by ensuring that the Louisiana civil justice system is operating at its full potential. As extreme weather, such as Hurricane Ida, becomes more frequent, one of Lanyap's goals is to assure that there is continuity in the civil justice system. In response to Hurricane Ida, Amanda spearheaded an effort to implement low-tech solutions, which were designed to provide accessible information at a time when people need it most. Today's audio quality is a little degraded. That is in part due to the fact that Amanda is still dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Ida, and our connection was a little unstable. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us on the Innovation Network today. Good morning, Joey. Thank you for having me. Amanda, tell us a little bit about the disaster legal tip line and where this project kind of stems from. Well, as you kind of noted, um, we are increasingly seeing a number of extreme weather events, especially here in Louisiana. We were never strangers to that before, but it seems like every year it gets worse and worse and impacts more and more people. So this was really born out of an effort in recognizing that Regular, you know, regular people have regular legal issues already in everyday life, but they're exacerbated and compounded in times of disaster. So it was really born out of the recognition that over the next several weeks, months and years, uh, even disaster issues are going to be prevalent and they're going to impact low income and marginalized people in Louisiana. And it's uh, really important, especially after a disaster, to make this type of legal information available and accessible. And if you watch the news and you heard anything about Hurricane Ida, um, this was a catastrophic storm. It took out virtually all of the networks and energy and power around um, the lower portions of our state. So. Coming up with a low-tech, really accessible way to give people information at the point in time they need it was really important. So that's how this line was born. Um, And it's really an effort to make sure that those people that don't have services that are ultimately going to need legal information even more now than ever uh, have access to that. In a situation like yours, where, where you're talking about, you know, catastrophic infrastructure damage, where are people and how can you get to them most uh, in, a, in a way that meets them there? Well, for us, that really looked like text messages. Um, I know personally, as I was impacted by the storm, it was days before we were able to get a call out um, and much less, you know, internet access or things like that. Power, I actually just got power restored back to my house yesterday. I think it's been... 15 or 16 days since the storm. So um, text message is really accessible. Everybody, no matter whether they have a smartphone or, you know, a 
a dumb flip phone or something like that can access text messages. So that's kind of the thought process behind choosing that as the channel for reaching people, just because, um, you know, in our area of the state, we're starting to come back, but still people in the lower areas of Louisiana, Homa and the lower parishes, they're still struggling with just connectivity and, and power. And they probably will be for, you know, maybe weeks or a month more. So um, text message is just really accessible to everybody. So that's kind of the thought process behind choosing that as that mode of delivering information. It's also worth noting that uh, you and I, you and I spoke yesterday just in preparation for this, and you'd mentioned that you were then seeing additional rainfall from uh, from tropical storm. Oh, Michael, is that is that where we're at? Yes, Hurricane Michael. Uh, Hurricane, yes. Well, yesterday in Texas, um, it was pretty disorganized, but it still had a huge range of impacts and covered much of South Louisiana. So those people that are already struggling um, with, you know, blue tarps on their roof are now also dealing with additional impacts from another storm. So in a time like this, what information do you make available through this SMS service? Well, so people can sign up for the line by just texting subscribe to our phone number and they get um, updates from us. And that is, we're really standing on the shoulders of other people whenever we push out this content because there's been research into the timeline of disaster legal needs that come after a natural disaster. So we're able to take that um, timeline of sort of very immediate and short-term, middle-term and long-term needs and develop a content strategy based on that. So we can push that information out when we know based on research and the you know impacts on the ground of the type of information people need. So, you know, very immediate term, there are tons of questions about landlord tenant law. Does my landlord need to make repairs? Um, What can I do if my home has been destroyed? And then once we're kind of out of the immediate response mode, we're starting to look at um, public benefits issues like FEMA and disaster unemployment and um, disaster food stamp programs. So there's just a, and And importantly, there's a lot of misinformation that comes with the chaos following a natural disaster. So for us to be able to use that as a content strategy and push information out to people when or possibly even before they need it, we look at this as an opportunity to create some sort of upstream impacts and help people identify issues before they actually become problems. One of the challenges I, I imagine you face in is outreach. How do you make people aware of the program? How do you get the word out? How do you make sure that uh, you know you can get as many subscribers as possible to this information? What do you do in terms of marketing this project to make sure people are aware of this resource and can get access to it? It's a great question. I know uh, everyone looking, everyone listening here probably understands the difficulty in reaching people under normal circumstances with legal information. So I admit it's a it's a big challenge, but we have had successes um, with doing marketing on social media. There's a lot, there's been a lot of organic engagement from that. And we've put funding behind that to push it out into regions that have been impacted by the storm. 
We also work very closely with our Access to Justice Commission and all of the partners that form up that commission to make sure word gets out, um, develop flyers and other um, you know, easy ways to share that information. So it, it's definitely a struggle. We, we keep pushing um, and especially as services are restored, we're able to more heavily rely on things like social media. And ultimately that translates into word of mouth um, for, you know, people that have impacted, been impacted to tell their neighbors or tell their friends and families. Um, to sign up. And we have seen, you know, I would think pretty good success given that it's a, a new service for folks to, to gravitate towards. So it's always a challenge to reach people, but that's our strategy right now. Um, and it seems to be working out fairly well. And for us understanding that this is what I'll call the long game and that we know as uh, legal professionals, these disaster issues are going to persist for a long time. Um, I think we have a really solid foundation to start and we'll continue working and growing that um, to do some of that preventative education for the future. One of the unique challenges that 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 comes with, uh, you know, the situation you're involved in now, which is essentially, you know, we talked about this briefly, catastrophic infrastructure damage across across the state. How are you able to assure continuity of your work? How are you able to, because as you had said, you you were affected by by Hurricane Ida. How have you managed to to keep the lights on and to keep everything running while you've also been dealing with not just as a legal services provider, but as a human being, as an individual in, in the path of the storm? It is certainly another struggle uh, that we're going through. Um, luckily, my organization was set up to be virtual as is. So, you know, in the meantime, while I've not had power at my house, I've been able to relocate um, and just keep keep things moving to the best of my ability. And I think by having a low tech solution like that and or as a way to reach people i can pretty much do anything that i need to related to that from my phone um so that has been a really powerful way to just stay connected and keep things moving and be able to help meet the needs of the community while we're you know also still dealing with all the impacts at home if 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 we were to look at the uh the disaster relief line that we're talking about here today and, and classify it. I think you and I would both probably agree it's a fairly low tech solution, right? It's, it's, it's not fancy, it's not bells and whistles, it's using really simple, straightforward SMS technology that already exists and implementing it in a way that's accessible. One of my sort of gripes with legal innovation generally is always the idea that solutions have to be elaborate, but you're doing something that's extremely low tech. Where do you see low tech solutions fitting in the uh, access to justice crisis at large? Yeah, so I I kind of I agree with you that um, you know we're we're always I think as innovators and legal technologists we're always looking for the next thing, the next big thing. So I personally am guilty of that. I do not shame anybody else that. Oh no, I do it too. <laughs> that mindset. Um, and it's very powerful. I think for us, as we work to 
push the industry forward and try and push and reimagine what legal services can look like. Um, but at the same time, you're right, like there's tech that already exists that is extremely accessible. It has the power to reach literally everyone. Um, I think there are very few people that don't have access to text messaging in some some way or another. Um, so I think it's rather than for me, rather than being focused on the tech itself, this I really look at it as legal content as a service for us and for what we do at my organization. I'm really taking a stronghold on the power of good content and content that meets people's needs and meets them where they are in a way that they can understand and access has a profound impact on access to justice. So I kind of even overlook the tech and I'm rather just looking at how can I provide value? How can we provide content to people and information so that they're better informed and can assert their rights or understand their rights um, and address legal issues or even prevent them before they happen? You know, that is the the solution-oriented mindset, right? The, the putting the solution before you put the tech, I think is really key. I, I worked for a legal aid organization that put out a ton of online content um, and they tried to migrate that into an app. And while the app was cool and it was flashy and it was fun, and this was back in 2011 when iPhones and apps were starting to grab more of a whole main hold in 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 how we think about solutions, but it was this really cool flashy thing. And ultimately no one used it, right? It, it didn't turn out to be nearly as accessible as, as what already existed. So I, I completely agree with you that when we lose sight of what problem we're trying to solve and we put a lot of emphasis on the technology, we may be discounting solutions that are right in front of us that are really simple and straightforward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just, I, I don't know why or how this happened, but I've become so radicalized about the concept of legal content as a service that, you know, when you look around at what we're even doing as lawyers and a lot of people that are working in the access to justice space, it really is just like new ways to provide information to people because we know that these folks that are accessing our services are not most likely represented in court. So the they're, it's based on the concept that knowledge is power. And that is ultimately what I think, you know, for us, when we understand that there's just no way some people are going to be able to afford an attorney to handle their case from start to finish or help them resolve their issue from start to finish. Um, this is kind of the way forward. And even as attorneys that provide direct services to people, unless they're in court or writing a specific brief, they're providing content, they're providing information to people through counsel and advice and strategy and decision-making. So I really do, I feel like all of it kind of comes back to that center of legal content as a service for people that need help. So Amanda, outside of the work that Lanyap does in the disaster relief space and, and the recovery space that we've talked about, what are some of the other projects that you've undertaken to sort of meet that broad mission statement of helping to address the access to justice crisis in the Louisiana civil justice system? 
Yeah, so we do a number of things. Um, our kind of primary focus is a lot of this outward facing, public facing technology and solutions, and ultimately legal content. Um, it's a hill I'll die on, I'll just say that. So we have developed our Louisiana Civil Legal Navigator Program in partnership with the Louisiana Bar Foundation. And that's just, you know, kind of your online triage system. We've worked with our subject matter experts to really help refine people's issues so we can give them very targeted content about their legal problem and help them understand what the next steps are and empower them to take them. So that also includes additional services like document assembly, if that's identified as kind of the right process for someone to follow through with. Um, so, you know, it really falls into developing content and information for folks um, through that project and on our Louisiana Law Help site, as well as we've been working with Suffolk University Lit Lab um, and our courts here to pilot the their document assembly program um, to incorporate that into our existing service offerings. So, um, you know, a lot of public facing information and document generation and things like that. Um, we also work very closely with our legal service partners and organizations to help them identify opportunities to adopt technology and um, maybe improve the way that they're currently providing services that also include document assembly um, and, and things like that. And then I think probably one of the biggest impacts or at least how I see it because I am kind of a fan of the the structure that our Access to Justice Commission gives, we're able to work with that commission to, um, through the Justice for All project that we had last year um, received from the National Center for State Courts to kind of inventory and understand how our access to justice system is currently functioning and identify opportunities to improve that. So. We have done a lot of research and we, um, you know, one particular project that came out of that was looking at the relationship to poverty and access to legal resources. And the, the findings were so striking um, that it has absolutely informed our strategic planning through the Access to Justice Commission. So, you know, we really try to look for um evidence-based, human-centered ways to serve people, and whether that comes in the form of direct services to folks or helping our legal service partners, um, you know, work more efficiently in our, and increase their capacity to serve people, and then just overall help our system work together and coordinate and reduce duplication of efforts and identify priorities for everybody to tackle all at once. Um, that's really what we're all about. We're just here to try to look at the big picture and see what makes sense at this time for, you know, what we are trying to do and then develop action plans to go after that. So it has been really rewarding work. Um, you know, I started doing this, I started Lanyap Law Lab a couple of years ago and I, you know, it, it's not even about us. Like we are just able to, kind of step back and use some of those principles from planning and operations and data science and research and 
inject that into the amazing work that our providers and our partners are already doing to just enhance that. And it's been, you know, a really fantastic way, I think, for us to become an integral part of our Louisiana justice system. That's really cool. I I think that one of the most rewarding things about being in this space uh, right now, professionally, is that there's an appetite for, for the kind of work you do. There's an appetite for the kind of work we do. And there's an appetite for it at a, at a level that just kind of sees, feels broader than it ever did before. So I think it's really cool, especially in light of your findings from your Justice for All uh, study last year. I just this, It's such a cool time to be doing this work and it's never been more needed, at least. That, that's how it feels to me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially especially here now, we're looking at you know multiple natural disasters and high poverty rates, and you know the chaos that COVID nineteen has caused. Um, I mean, it's just it has become essential rather than optional. You know, you you just you just brought up sort of the the unique times in which we live, and I'm sure one of the issues that probably is on your radar, I would imagine, would have to be is the sort of looming eviction crisis that we all know is starting to arrive. What work are you doing in that space to, to, to help address the needs that are there? We're here to provide technology-based services and design, you know, kind of thinking lenses on the services that people are doing. But at the end of the day, um, I think all that we can do is again, provide content and help make sure that those folks, we know, you know, 98% of people uh, that are on the defendant side of an eviction case are not represented in court. So first, we're trying to connect them with the providers. That's most important because we know the success rate increases whenever an attorney gets involved. But we do have um, resources through our, um, you know, our civil legal navigator program, document assembly programs, and then um, just really thorough and accurate uh, and digestible content to help people at least understand whether they have a defense. And then if they don't understand the process, if people want to support the work that Lanyap is doing or any of your partner organizations, how can they do that? Where can they find out more uh, and, and where can they connect in a way that might be helpful for your organization? Yeah, so I would say I'm most active on Twitter. Um, I'm at access to what? It's By a- the way, the best Twitter handle in, uh, in, I would say, legal technologist Twitter. It's like the subset of law Twitter. You have the best handle of anybody. You know, it's just a question that I try to ask myself all the time. Like we get, I think we get really uh, in a place of like expecting justice to look like a certain thing. So I wanted to wipe that out of my, uh, out of my memory for the time being. But I think Twitter would probably be the best place. We do have a website, although I admittedly need to update that. Um, It's on the bottom of my to-do list, but you can find it at lanyaplawlab.org. Um, hopefully you'll link that because that's quite a word, um, Joey, but yeah, that would be the best place. And, um, just reach out if you have any questions or, um, comments or ways that you would like to support us. And I'll do my best to connect with that. Rather than, uh, attempt to spell and which will, will not make any sense to, to most people who are listening. 
Um, we will go ahead and put those links in the show notes. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fantastic. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for tuning in and listening. As always, you can follow the Center for Innovation on Twitter at ABA Innovation. Don't forget to share this episode out on social media using the hashtag ABACIN. The Innovation Network is a production from the American Bar Association's Center for Innovation. Editing by Ben Woodson and Joey Gardner. We'll see you next month.